Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do it. Join it now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And we welcome you in to another edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg on Twitter. Joined alongside Showtime Cappers, at Showtime Cappers on Twitter, better known as Matt Siegel by his friends and myself as well, as we got a whole lot more of pigskin to discuss on a Friday pick'em edition 
of Full Slate. We're going to go through the college board and give some plays for college football week four. And the NFL has entered its third week with one game already in the books, the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars having played last night. Matt, it's good to hear from you again. How are we doing? What up, Greg? Man, I am excited for this week. There are ranked matchups all over the college board. We have some marquee matchups on the NFL gridiron. I can't wait. Baseball season's winding down, and it's almost October, and I'm getting yeah. those jitters. You know, you can pick apart the sports calendar any way you like. I'm not sure you're going to find a better month than October when you have football about a month in on the college and NFL ranks by that point. Baseball playoffs, NBA, NHL getting started. Uh, it, it, we're going to enter a really fun time of year, but uh, still yeah, got to get. It's got to be. It's got to be October or March for me, Greg. March, when we get right. to March Madness, you know, I can't sit still in my chair. But oh, October, it's, it's like you said, NBA, NHL starting at the end of the month. MLB playoffs, NFL, and college football really getting into the swing of things in October. You know, I, I, October is definitely up there. The, the leaves are falling. It, it's a great. It's a great month. It is. It's a great month. It's a great season in the fall. And uh, that, of course, means there are plenty of options as far as gamblers go and where their investments are going to go on the weekends. And we're going to do our best to help you out here on Full Slate. Let's talk a little bit about the college ranks first. And uh, the first couple weeks on a college board, you normally trudge along through some blowouts, non-conference games, and maybe you get a couple of eye-openers along the way. But, Matt, you mentioned it. More ranked games this weekend. Uh, so we're starting to get into the nitty-gritty, starting to see some conference openers. You have to think we see some more competitive games on Saturday across the country. Oh, Greg. I mean, we, we, we have great games up and down the board. I mean, Saturday, you pick, a chair in, uh, pick a chair on your couch. You can literally sit in front watch watch all the way from 12 to 12. I mean, there are good games at every slate. And let's start it off with the noon game. Uh, let's actually well, start it off you know, with the yeah, let's go to Friday night first, uh, where we have a, a pretty good yeah, game. Yeah, Greg, I mean, I'm just so excited for Saturday. I'm literally just getting <laughs> ahead of myself. Uh, let's start with the Utah Utes traveling to Southern California to take on the Trojans. Utah, about three and a half, four point chalk, depending on where you shop. Of course, we encourage you to visit mybookie.ag to make all your wagers. Uh, I'm going to like Utah here. I'm going to play the Utes minus the four. Oh. I know know I'm going to get some pushback from you on this, but I I think Utah is as legit as any program in the Pac-12, and I still think the Pac-12 is going to get shut out from the college football playoff yet again, but certainly if the Utes, if anybody's going to make it, it's going to be the Utes, and uh, they were really impressive for me in their season opener. I know it was BYU, a team that they should have beaten, but that's a huge, huge, huge in-state rivalry game, and they handled BYU 30-12, to and I guess I'm buying Greg, Ohio Whittingham. That's two weeks ago. Have, have you taken note what they've done the past two weeks? What do you think? Well, yeah, but, okay, first off, Northern Illinois has been one of the better group of five programs the last five, six years. So the fact that they won by 18, I'm not looking at that and saying, oh, they only won by 18. And then Idaho State, I mean, it's a get-in-and-get-out game. I'm not going to read into that if they blow them out. If they win by, you know, by blow them out, I mean win by, like, 50. They won 31 nothing. Like I mentioned, there's going to be games like that where you, you just brush it aside. One and two against the number this season. One and two against the number. I'll tell you what, though. If you want to go with the trends on me, I'll throw one right back at you. Clay Helton. It's okay. USC is one and two against the number as well. 
well, I wasn't even going there. USC has historically, under Clay Houghton, their coach, who everybody knows if you pay attention to college football, the seat is only going to get warmer for him. Lynn Swan, the athletic director at USC, since resigned. And there was a lot of speculation that the writing was on the wall for some bigger changes to go on within the Trojan program. Clay Houghton, as an underdog, is 1-12 outright, 2-11 and 11 against the number. Uh, fact of the matter is this USC program has slipped into mediocrity and they've been lapped by a couple programs in the Big 12, or I'm sorry, the Pac-12. And I think Utah is one of them. I think Utah gets out in front early in this game. They got a really good back, one of the more underrated backs in the country in Zach Moss. Give me the Utes to go on the road, ride their back in the fourth quarter, win this game by at least a touchdown. I'll lay the four and back Utah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows where I'm going with this. I'm obviously going on the other end. Not only am I going on the other end, I am all over USC at home here, Greg. This is a huge matchup, and this was the exact reason why I was on BYU against USC last week. I told you USC was only looking ahead to this game, and that's exactly what they were. They actually ended up playing a really competitive game against BYU. Watched that entire thing, took them to overtime. That was a great game if you caught it, but unfortunately— Well, I was on BYU as well in that. I was paying close attention to it. Yeah, unfortunately, obviously, USC wasn't able to come out victorious, but they played a good game, and that's a BYU team that was coming off a big double overtime win the week before, you know, and BYU just played a good game. They they really did, but last time I saw USC at home, they blew out Stanford as three-point favorites. They won 45-20 to in impressive fashion. You know, they only lost to BYU by a field goal, and their quarterback threw three interceptions, Greg. I I really just don't expect to see – Three interceptions at home, let alone, you know, well, anytime remember, you throw. freshman quarterback, though, in Slovis, who obviously is stepping in behind JT Daniels without much experience. So I'm not so sure about that. I think that that might be a sign of things to come. But obviously, I'm on Utah, opposite side. No, I, I see what you're saying with that, Greg. But to my point, you lose by three and you throw three interceptions. That, that's, you know, that says a little bit, right? You know, a lot of times you see people throw three interceptions. They're normally not going overtime on the road, let alone are they losing by a field goal. I think I think we can both agree with that there, right? Well, for sure. Yeah, no, the fact that that game was so, where it was. Yeah, I mean, the, there's exactly. a lot of hype so they, around this game, too. My point was, even with three interceptions, they were still in a position to win, and they were on the road. They had a couple costly penalties. I mean, I was watching the whole game, you know. Like I said, I, I think this is a different team coming home. They were looking at this game. This is arguably the biggest game left on their schedule, and I'm playing them one unit in the first half, money line, plus 130. I'm playing them for a max play, full game, Greg. I'm playing f- plus four for two units, and I'm playing plus six, uh, plus 160 on the money line for one unit. So I'm splitting it up, two units on the spread, one unit on the money line. This is a max play for me. USC at home, Friday night, under the lights. This is a letdown game for Utah. You know, Utah cruised last week. They put up 24 points in the first half and took the second half off last week, like you said. You know, that's fine, but I would have liked to see them get ready for this USC team because this USC team is ready for them. They're at home. They want to put on for their crowd. And like I said, this is their most important game remaining on their schedule. They're going to not only cover the number, they're going to come out. They're going to hand the Utes their first loss of the season, and USC is going to be 2-2 two two after this game. One Both. last thing I want to get in on. You mentioned Utah kind of taking his foot off the gas. I think that's another pro-Utah argument here because – they take the foot off the gas in the second half, knowing they had the game in the bag, knowing they're going to USC to start their conference schedule next week. So, if anything, that just makes me like Utah even more. Yeah, Greg, see, I, I can buy that point. If it's later in the season, they're a little tired. Come on. These are these are 18 to 21-year-old 
prime athletes in the prime of their lives. You know, you, you, they don't need the rest. We know when they need the rest and we know they don't. Week two, week three, that's not when they need the rest. I would have liked to see them run it up against uh, Iowa State, at Idaho State at home. I would have liked to see them get in a good form. You know, I mean, I can't say anything wrong. They've won the game 31 nothing. And, I mean, I was on Utah first half, so I had the cover minus 23 and a half. They were up 24. I mean, so, I, you know, I've also had a pretty good read on these on these Pac-12 teams this this year. I, I, I've hit on BYU last week. You know, I, I had, um, I had, like I said, I had Utah first half. I had NIU when they covered against Utah. I hit Arizona first half and Arizona full game for a max play last week. I, I've, ha- I've hit Oregon in the first half. I've been reading this Pac-12 conference up and down. It's been too easy for me. And let me tell you, I'm going to add three more wins because USC is going to win the first half outright. They're going to cover the full game because they're going to win the full game outright and you- hand Utah their first loss. I can promise you that. All right. Well, we start with some disagreement. I'm on the Utes minus the four, Matt. But I wish you the best the of luck as always, Greg. Absolutely. And you as well. Let's move forward. You have another play on a Friday game. Yeah, I mean, there's not much – I'm going to say here, other than this is kind of just a little bit of a system play here for me. I took Air Force at plus eight the other day, you know, and I see now down to plus seven. It opened at nine and a half, so I got a little bit right in the middle. And Air Force, they're, they're, they're 3-0 and to start the season. They've covered the past two games. I just really like the way they play football. I know Boise State at home is, is pretty well, but Air Force had a nice win on the road against Colorado last week. And I just, like I said, I just, I just really like how, how they play football. I like how they run the ball. I, I look for them to control the clock here. And I, I really just look for them to, to, to cover, cover within a touchdown here. And, you know, I, 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 there's not much to say other than I think Boise State obviously wins the game. But I, I feel very comfortable getting eight points with Air Force with how they control the clock and how they run the ball. You know, for Boise State to win by eight, they're going to they're gonna really need to make Air Force real uncomfortable. And, and I don't see that happening after a 2-0 start. I'm, excuse me, not 3-0. 2-0 start for Air Force. Yeah, I, I lean with Air Force here. Uh, we mentioned I, – I mentioned about Boise State a couple times. I was on Marshall when Marshall covered on the blue field uh, in the beginning of, of September. Faded Boise State with a loser with Florida State in the opener. But one of the reasons that I, I – I, have not really been the biggest Boise State backer so far. Hank Bachmeyer is a freshman quarterback for the Broncos. And kind of what you mentioned, like, that would kind of lend itself towards running the ball, just kind of getting in and getting out in games and maybe not necessarily uh, looking for big plays, sustaining longer drives, which makes it harder to cover point spreads of a touchdown or greater. So I lean with Air Force. That's about all I have. I don't know much about Air Force, so I did ultimately pass the game. I want to go to the Saturday slate now. Uh, I have another play in the Big Ten, couple Big Ten plays. Obviously, we'll get to the big early game of the Big Ten later. I'm getting excited, Greg. I love Saturday. But I am going to go with the Northwestern Wildcats, plus a nine and a half against the Michigan State Spartans. Michigan State's a team I've been high on this year. I took them over their win total of, I believe I got it at eight and a half. Uh, yes, I did. But, gosh, last week was very concerning what I saw at a Michigan State. Um, correction. Gosh, we both got, got our asses handed to us, didn't we? I mean, exactly. I, luckily, I hit on the under first half full game. I hit on, like I said, Arizona State team total under. But, uh, gosh, were we really wrong about Michigan State? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, correction, I got that win total at eight. And I'm not saying that I'm going to lose the bet now just because they lost to Arizona State. But, Gosh, that looked a lot like last year's Michigan State team that was just so anemic offensively uh, and could not move the football. And, you know, we saw in that game they had three points on the board 
halfway through the fourth quarter. And, you know, then they take the lead and they allow a drive back for Arizona State uh, to eventually win the game. Just very concerning what I saw from Michigan State in a spot where you thought we both did that Michigan State was going to come out and really roll right through a team they lost to last year as a hefty favorite as well, the Arizona State Sun Devils. So that didn't happen. Now they go to uh, Evanston to play the Northwestern Wildcats. And Northwestern, a program that I mentioned this in our handicap week one, we were both on Northwestern plus the points against Stanford. And of course we got bad beat it out of a win there. Uh, but Northwestern has thrived under Pat Fitzgerald. Coach has been there for a little while now as in the underdog role. They always get up for these big games against conference opponents a lot of the times. Uh, and they won the Big Ten West last year. Uh, this is kind of just correlated, right, where you see a total in this game of, you know, in the upper 30s. You know, I, I don't even think right now this total is above 40. I'm going to double check it. But uh, it, it really concerns me at 38 it concerns me that you're going to lay points with Michigan state uh, with a game this low where you, the, the odds makers are saying there's not going to be that many points in the first place. So I definitely think it's correlated. I like Northwestern plus the points, Michigan state last five games versus power five teams. This was a good stat from Chris Felica over at ESPN uh, last five games against power five teams, Ohio state, Nebraska, Rutgers, Oregon, and Arizona state in those five games, Michigan State was held to single digits in points in four of those five. 14 points against Rutgers was the most points they've scored against a Power 5 team the last five times out. Concerned that Michigan State's not going to score enough to cover a big number here. I'll take Northwestern plus the points. No, Greg, I mean, I don't have a play on Northwestern personally, but I heard what you're saying about the total, and I'm going to chime right in there. I took the under 38 and a half here for a two-unit play. I took the under... First half here for a one-unit play. Michigan State's played three games. They went under the total twice. Northwestern's played two games. They went under the total twice. Five combined games. That's four totals went under. I, I, I mean, th this is just a classic under game. Like you said, small under. It's already open at 39, moved down to 38 in some shops. I got under 38 and a half. I got in at full game. And I got under first half. Uh, I, I believe under first half was I got that at 17 and a half. I don't expect a lot of points to be here. So, you know, if I'm right about not a lot of points, then unless we're seeing, a, you know, a 14 nothing kind of game from Michigan State on the road after the pathetic performance they put on last week, then I, I can see your, your, your plus nine or whatever you had. How many points do you have? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I can see your plus nine easily covering. But I just went a different, a different angle, but a similar opinion on the game with the under there. Something that does concern me a little bit, I don't know how you feel, but I see 75% of the plays on Northwestern so far, although the spread has moved from Michigan State opening at six and a half to nine, nine and a half. Something to keep an eye on when you see big line movement like that. Doesn't always indicate a winner, but definitely indicates something and just something to keep an eye on for every game you're playing. That's a good point. But I'm, I'm willing to buy back here, but if that's my biggest concern, then it's not going to stop me from playing it. Yeah, no, no, and it shouldn't because, like I said, I, I'm on the under. So unless we're seeing – uh, a Michigan State team who couldn't even get in the end zone last week, unless we're seeing them get in the end zone two or three times this week, I think you should be good with the points. I personally just went a different angle, and I voted against you know go, going against these teams scoring because they're not going to score. I didn't like your first play, Matt, on the Friday night USC-Utah game, but I do like this play that you're about to give out, Ole Miss and Cal. Yeah, Greg, I, I, I'm going to go right to something that I preached maybe on one of our first podcasts. This is an SEC team, Greg. You know, I actually got my ass handed to me the first week when I took the SEC team 
Uh, I mean, I, not, I shouldn't say got my ass handed to me. It was actually really, really ugly. Ended up getting that backdoor push. I don't know if you remember week one against Memphis. Got plus five. You know, some yeah, won, some lost, that. depending on that number. number. But Ole Miss on the road looks disgusting. But let me tell you, they've been at home, back-to-back games, and they're at home now. They scored 31 against Arkansas, and then they scored 40. They're at home again. They're not traveling, and they're in front of that in front of that home crowd. And like I said, I just said home three or four times. I'll say it again. They're at home. This is this is very important in college football. Cal has that fake number I talk about all the time next to their name, 23. Doesn't mean a lot to me. Start the season 3-0. and Yeah, like, uh, they had a good win at Washington. It was a tough game for Washington. It was a weird game. I'm not even a believer in Washington. Game started, like, 1 in the morning, Eastern time? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, taking, I'm not taking it away from Cal, but it was a weird game. I'm also not a big fan of Washington, so I don't, like, value it that highly. Again, these are the big boys from SEC. Cal, you know, come over from the, from the West Coast. Come play Ole Miss. Let, let's see what's going to happen when you're on the road against the big boys. I mean, this is just, you know, they're on prime time, ESPNU, noon start. So, you know, by my calculation, that would be a 9 a.m. start in Cal. This is just just SEC at home, brute force. I'm taking Ole Miss. I put them as a top play. I got them at minus 130 money line. I see them around minus 135, minus 140. I, I mean, I like minus 130, obviously. That's why I got – I would play all the way up to minus 150. But I have no problem if you're going to play minus two, minus two and a half instead. I think I think uh, Ole Miss wins this and, and Cal's unranked after this week. You know, one one thing that I mentioned I like to play, uh, you talk about that fake number uh, next to Cal. Just one stat before we move on. Cal, last 25 times an unranked team has been favored over a ranked team. Uh, in the bottom five. So an unranked team favored over a team ranked 20 to 25. The last 25 times that scenario happened, the unranked team is 21 and four straight up. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's that idea of the non-public favorite uh, that can really be undervalued. And, and, and in this case, under a field goal, if you want to back Ole Miss, I will likely find myself with an Ole Miss ticket on Saturday as yeah, well. It just really shows the discrepancy, you know, between like top 10 teams, top 20 teams, and then the 20 to 25. Like how, how often do we see the 20 to 25? They're, it's pretty much changing weekly based on wins and losses. Right. So it's like I said, not it really team. is just a fake number. It really just is a fake number. Right. Because it's, as you said, changing weekly. And it's not necessarily not often a team that is rising from twenty-five to eighteen to thirteen. That doesn't happen so much. So let's yeah, talk- and just to just to add real quick on this game, I also played Ole Miss first half because I get I think they're gonna come out from the get-go. I also think they're gonna play D. I got the under in this game. It, it's it's moved a lot actually. It opened at forty-six. I, I'm still playing under forty-one and a half. I think we're gonna see like uh, you know something like a seventeen-seven. Uh, a, a 20, a 27. I think we're going to see low score. It's going to be defense. Ole Miss going to, Ole Miss going to pound the ball and, and they're just going to show who's boss in the trenches. I mean, their, their running back has gone for over a hundred yards and three touchdowns combined in their, in their past two games, he, almost 300 yards combined actually in the, 250 yards in their past two games and three touchdowns with 50 carries. I don't expect anything less than that. I think they're going to be running, running, pounding the ball. And I like Ole Miss to win the first half, win the full game and under. Let's go to Camp Randall, where it is one of the marquee games on the Saturday slate. Game that I'm really excited to see because in the Big Ten, it certainly looks like Ohio State is maybe further ahead of the rest of the league than everybody thought before the season started, especially after Michigan State lost that game against uh, Arizona State last week. And Michigan, 
has not looked great to say to, to be nice with the way Michigan played against Middle Tennessee and Army obviously needing uh, beyond the regulation 60 minutes to dispatch of the Black Knights before their bye week, which was last week. Wisconsin, on the other hand, has been very convincing. They blew out South Florida, blew out Central Michigan, and both of these teams now come into this game in Madison off of a bye week. It's the best game at 12 o'clock by by far, by the way. I'm sorry? Best game at at noon by far, by the way. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Now, the Badgers, in those two games against South Florida and uh, Central Michigan, a combined 110 to nothing. It can't get any more convincing than that. However, I am drawing the line in the sand here. The the line on this game is Wisconsin, three-and-a-half point chalk. The Golden Nugget in Vegas – put out a bunch of game of the year lines back before the season started. Matt, what do you think the line was in the off season on this game? I want you to take a guess. Uh, you know, this is truthfully a guess. Uh, I, I would, I know Michigan was favorited to win the, I'm going to, I'm going to say probably, probably flipped six points, Wisconsin plus three, maybe Wisconsin plus five. So an uh, yeah. eight point move. So are we gonna? Are you gonna tell me? And I follow the American closely as a Temple grad. That beating South Florida, a team in the American that I don't think is gonna be is gonna be down this year, and Central Michigan is is worth an eight point move. I know Michigan didn't play well the first two times. I'm just buying this as an overreaction. Both of the teams out of a buy. Normally out of a buy, like you think about it, Michigan probably could have used the early buy a lot more than Wisconsin was the way Wisconsin was playing. I think this is a regroup. Rise to the occasion, circle the wagons moment for Michigan. I might get bit in the rear end by Jim Harbaugh as an underdog. He doesn't do too well in these big yeah, games. Yeah, Greg, so what is it? Is I'm he taking six, Michigan I plus think. three and a half. Yeah, I think I saw a stat. I, I, you know, don't quote me on it. I, I should have it up. Uh, but I believe he's uh, one of the only two coaches who's played over five games as a road dog and has is winless. I, I oh, believe me, I, I saw that too. It concerns and, me. And the other, I think and, this is an the, overreaction. Yeah. Eight, eight, eight and a half points from five point chalk for Michigan to now three yeah. and a half. Let me tell you, Greg. Wisconsin. I, if, I think if, you know if, right if, where I'm going with this, Greg. Now that I get that hook, I'm taking. I'm taking Michigan plus three and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, I got Wisconsin minus three. I'm going. I'm going right opposite of you in another marquee game. I apologize, but I- I'm going to be on the right end here. Wisconsin is two and zero against the number two and zero in the season. Yeah, you better be right, the Michigan. Yeah, I mean, Greg, I-, I I hear what you're saying about Michigan, right? But I'm really just going another opposite direction of you here, and I'm going Wisconsin. I don't care what personally, you know, the game of the year line was three weeks ago. I care about what I've seen, and what I've seen from Michigan in two weeks is absolutely pathetic. I don't care about the bye week, like you said. They're both coming off a of bye week. That's a wash in my book. You could give this Michigan team. Two, three bye weeks. I, I don't know what that would have done. Their offenses look pathetic. Their defense hasn't even looked a, a, as as good as we would expect. They're 0-2 against the number. Yeah, Wisconsin's 2-0 against the number, against who you might say. But, hey, that's their opponents, right? Who's Michigan played? Hey, Army's all right. Middle Tennessee's all right. But they're still 0-2 against the number at home. Now they travel to Wisconsin. This is this is a huge game for Wisconsin. They know they need to win this game on the road. At home. Yeah, granted, Michigan needs to win this game. It's a huge game for both teams, but I'm really taking – I like Wisconsin at home here. Michigan's struggling. Wisconsin's been rolling. Wisconsin's going to do exactly what Army did. They're going to run the ball. They're going to pound the ball. Michigan's going to have no answer for it. Their offense is going to be off the field, and when their offense comes on, they're going to be rusty. They're not going to be ready. Wisconsin's going to control the game. 
and they're going to run up, and we're going to see a lot of push-ups out of that mascot. I took Wisconsin minus three, and, and I, I really love this play. I, I made this a top play. I also took Wisconsin first half minus two and a half. I also took, like I said, I think they're going to be running, pounding the ball, controlling the clock. I think was, I took Wisconsin under 21 first half, and I took the under 40, 44 and a half for the full game. I, I really think that these these two plays – like I said, are just correlated. I think Wisconsin's going to control the clock. I think they're going to run the ball. I think Wisconsin's going to be sitting on the sidelines, and I think Wisconsin – I mean, I think Michigan's going to be sitting on the sidelines, and I think Wisconsin's going to roll in this game. Jim Harbaugh, as an underdog on the road, 0-6, one of only two coaches with over five games of being an underdog on the road to never have a road dog win. I mean, what can you say? He's on the hot seat, so I hope he – puts on some sort of performance from his job, but I, Greg, I don't, I don't know how, how much longer he's going to be the head coach of Michigan. Yeah. Straight. yeah, no, like a lot of the things you said, like, I don't necessarily disagree with like Jonathan Taylor is probably the best running back in the country for Wisconsin and just stud uh, and, and Harbaugh. Yeah. Like there's not much that I have in terms of the, his history in these spots to really feel good about that. I just think that, as I said, the timing lines up well, for Michigan, and as I said, if if it was at three, I got in at three and a half this week, so that's why I like it more because I get that hook in my favor. I, I'm just banking on a, a close dogfight of a Big Ten game, which is why I took the points. But let's keep things moving here, uh, and let's go to going to be a great uh, game, nonetheless. It is going to be one of the better games of the the Saturday slate for sure. I want to give out another play now on a Group of Five school that is one of the better programs recently in the Group of Five. We're going to move to the late afternoon slate, and I'm going to back Appalachian State plus the three against North Carolina. This has been bet down. Most shops, I think, are at two and a half now. I got in at three, though. I still like it at two and a half because I think App State's going to win outright. But I grabbed the key number of three at the right time. Here's what I'm seeing. First off, North Carolina, right? We have this huge win for them against South Carolina as a double-digit underdog, and they win at home against an SEC opponent in Mac Brown's first game. Then they win their conference opener against Miami and in dramatic fashion, right? And and they're two and zero, and and wow, look at the Tar Heels in the first year under Mac Brown. Then they lose a close one last week against Wake Forest, and who's on the schedule next week? Oh, that's right. The Clemson Tigers are rolling into Chapel Hill. So I think automatically there, you have a little bit of a sandwich spot against a decent Wake Forest team and Clemson next week. And then also, I think we're going to see some regression from North Carolina as the season goes on. Remember, this is a team that only won two games last year. So let's pump the brakes on North Carolina. Maybe they're a bowl team. Maybe they're six wins this year. But I, I, they already got two of them. So I think you're going to see some regression there. And then you got App State, who has been one of the better group of five programs, as I said. They won the Sun Belt last Last year, and Scott Satterfield obviously opted to go to Louisville and take the Louisville job. However, guess who their coach is now? It's Eli Drinkwitz, who was the offensive coordinator last year or for the previous three seasons at NC State. So I think that he knows more about North Carolina than Mac Brown knows about App State for sure. So I think there's a coaching prep edge no here. Question there, Greg. Coaching prep edge here for App State. Uh, and I just think, as I said, that they're the better football team. North Carolina, as I said, only the two wins. App State won the Sun Belt last year. Give me App State plus the three. Uh, yeah, I don't have a play in that game, Greg. But if I were to play that game, it's for sure going to play App State. You know, you might have made me a believer. I might have to dig into that game a little more uh, because I did fade UNC after winning on UNC against Miami, right. I then did fade them with Wake Forest. And like you said, it was a sandwich game. I always love the sandwich games. And like you said, I think UNC is due for some regression. App State is a good play here. 
I got another sandwich spot for you. Uh, it was I, I, I temple grab, but I got to do it. Got to bet against my school here. Give me the Buffalo Bulls plus the fourteen against Temple. Gosh, what a this is just the definition of a sandwich spot. Last year or last week, rather, Temple huge upset victory over Maryland. Big win for the program over a ranked Power Five team. And guess who rolls into Philadelphia next week? It's the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And the reason that that's relevant, Jeff Collins, the head coach at Georgia Tech, was the head coach at Temple for the previous two years. And I can tell you as a Temple alum that there's a sentiment around Collins where he kind of just came in and and rided off of the good work that Matt Rule did and parlayed it into a bigger job. And he didn't necessarily do nearly as much for Temple University as what Matt Rule did. So he is not as well liked within the Temple community. So I think that Temple's really going to want to really show, you know, next week against Georgia Tech that they're going to come out and try and beat him. All that said, First road game of the year for Temple. They play Bucknell at home, bye week, Maryland at home. Pointed out the sandwich spot. This just feels like a big number for Buffalo, or for Temple to cover, rather, on the road. Buffalo has not looked pretty. There have been some bad games in there, and I will fully acknowledge that this is obviously the type of play that could get out of hand. Buffalo 43-14. to 14. 45 to 13 they lost to Penn State and they lost last week 35 to 17 against the lowly Liberty Flames so this is far more of a fate of Temple than a buy on Buffalo but Matt as I mentioned to you off the air sometimes the best bets are the hardest ones to make I'll take Buffalo plus 14. Yeah you made a lot of good points Greg I really like the sandwich spot I like the first road game not on this game but you made a lot of good points as a Temple alum I'm gonna have to respect your opinion. You know, arguably my favorite team of the college football 2019 season, the BYU Virgins, Greg. I'm <laughs> going right there. I, I mean, this game, I, I just really don't understand. You already heard me talk about how I don't like Washington that much, how they pathetically lost as 13 and a half, two or 14, two touchdown favorites at home, the Cal. Then they beat up on, on Hawaii at home. We know how Hawaii does away from the island. They're not very good. So that wasn't much of a surprise. And in their first game, Home opener against uh, Eastern Washington, it, it, that's, that doesn't mean anything to me. At home, Washington hasn't left. They haven't traveled. They haven't played on the road yet. Not only has that, this BYU team has not only played three great games, they played three teams all better than all better than the teams Washington played, frankly, and all better than Washington. They, Like you said, they lost to Utah at home. I understand, you know, that was their quarterback's first game at home. Utah, obviously, was a huge way to open up the season. And it was a little bit of a letdown for BYU, but they didn't get embarrassed. They lost 30-12, to 12, not ideal, but it wasn't 50-0 to zero as they could have. Then they go on the road to an SEC team, Tennessee, and they're only three-and-a-half-point dogs, and they win in double overtime on the road. I know Tennessee's not that great this year so far, but I don't care. That's an impressive win on the road after losing your home opener to Utah. And then you come back home, so you travel all the way to Tennessee, and then you come all the way back home to the West Coast, and you play another double overtime game, and you get another win in double overtime by three. Greg, that just that just shows me heart. That shows me guts. I, I love that. Back-to-back double overtime wins. They Any also concern that they're a little burned out given the time of year that maybe they expend too much energy early? Greg, no, I'm not. Because we all know how college ball overtime works. It's realistically, you know, I, I don't exactly remember. I, I don't exactly remember, but we know that overtime doesn't add that much because they only played two, like I said. So that's only two extra possessions for the offense and two for the defense. And two of them ending in a field goal, which means they didn't even get a first down. So they really weren't on the field that much longer. I think the adrenaline not only cancels out, but adds to it. That's two big wins. It's proven that's their clutch, that they can win. And like I said, they're at home in front of their crowd. 
that stadium, if you watch that game, that stadium was rocking. This is Washington's first road test. They're going on the road to BYU. I would be scared if I was Washington. I'm going to keep mentioning it as long as it keeps happening, but they have a fake number next to their name, 22. There is no reason why BYU can't win this game and have that 22 right next to their name next week. There is absolutely no reason in my mind. I'm taking BYU Cougars at home plus six and a half. I think that's an absolute gift. Greg, I would play this three and a half, you know, but instead I'm playing six and a half for two units. I'm taking the money line for 210. This is not a lunch money play, Greg. This is a full one unit play. BYU not only is going to cover this game, I think they have a great shot to win outright. I really do. I'm also playing BYU plus three first half. And for a half unit, I'm playing BYU plus 160 on the first half money line. I really think we show that Washington is just not a good team on their first road test. And I think BYU carries their double overtime victories. And I think they get a big win at home here. I just really do. And I think that six and a half number is, I just think it's wrong. I think it's off. You make a lot of good points. I, I pass this game ultimately for the concern that I have about BYU with that emotional win over USC and a rivalry game to start the year against Utah. I just think relative to other teams, there's a little more tread on the tires for the Cougars, but it, it, you make a compelling argument nonetheless for BYU. Let's keep things moving into the marquee game of the late afternoon slate, and that is the Auburn Tigers paying a visit to College Station. They will take on the Texas A&M Aggies. My gosh, is this SEC West loaded? We all know about Alabama. LSU looks really good so far this year. And then you have these two teams, Auburn and Texas A&M, squaring off at Kyle Field. Uh, three and a half, three mostly for Texas A&M. Total in the neighborhood of 47 and a half, 48. Uh, I am going to play, actually, the Texas A&M Aggies here. Uh, I think you're going to see Kellen Mond, the quarterback for Texas A&M, play a lot better now that he's in his home field. One of the better, more underrated home fields in college football. Uh, he didn't look great against Clemson, uh, but that was on the road in a tough atmosphere. You know who did look great against Clemson, though, was that Texas A&M defense. They looked really good, keeping them in the game. Trevor Lawrence threw uh, interception in that game. They kept him under 300 yards. They bottled up Travis Etienne really well with only 53 rushing yards. I think you're going to get a really good performance from this Texas A&M defense and a fired up college Kyle Field in College Station. Give me the Texas A&M Aggies. Jimbo Fisher's got that program going in the right direction here. I love the home field advantage here. I think Bo Nix, the true freshman for Auburn, is going to really be suffocated in a tough environment. I'll take the Aggies minus three. Craig, I really like the point you made about the Texas A&M defense. I really like that. I also like that Auburn defense. That really led me to the under, Greg. Four out of the total six yeah, games they've played play. have gone under the number this year. The Auburn defense has been stout. Texas A&M defense has been great. We know what happens when you go on the road. We know what happens when you have a clash of the Titans. It tends to be a dogfight, and I think an under is just warranted for this play. I took under 48 in this game as a top play. I took under first half. Uh, 23 and a half as a play, as, as a one unit play as well. And Greg, I'm sorry to do this to you again, but I'm going the other way. But I'm not going the other way much. I went Auburn, plus I got them at plus four for a one unit play. And I played Moneyline plus 155. So I, it's a two unit play combined for me. I just think Auburn's too tough, man. I like Texas AM. I like the home teams in college football. But when you got a juggernaut like Auburn is, I, they're 3 0 on the year, 3 0 against the number. Texas A&M 2-0 against the number, and they pushed or won or lost, depending on what you got game one. But I, I really like this Auburn team. I think they are ready for this moment. 
and I really think they can go into College Station and steal this one. I really think we could be seeing something in the works with Auburn this season. I think we could be seeing something very interesting playing out later in the season when Auburn plays Alabama. And for that to take place, I think it starts this game, Greg. Last week, I mean, I know it was Kent State, but they had three guys go over the 100-yard rushing mark. That's damn impressive. I don't care who you're playing. That's three different guys going over the 100-yard rushing mark. You know what that also means? Controlling the clock. You're running the clock down. Under, under, under. I I like Auburn here, and I don't hate if you like – say it again. I said that's – you mentioned they're running – uh, and how well they've been running the ball, Auburn. I mentioned that Clemson couldn't really run on Texas A&M. That's why I like Texas A&M here. And not Auburn and Alabama, always a big game later on in the year. Alabama is in College Station in three weeks. So I think Texas A&M is going to use this game as a springboard. They still have Arkansas next week. Then they have their bye, then Alabama. But I think A&M comes out and makes a statement here and is going to be undefeated heading into a huge, huge, huge game against Alabama on October the 12th. Yeah, and to your point about Clemson, you know, obviously we know Clemson's good, but let's 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 not take away from the fact that their strength is obviously passing the ball. And in Clemson, I mean, Travis Etienne's one of the best backs in the country. I wouldn't say obviously. Obviously, Lawrence is a big prospect, but Etienne's going to go in the first round probably in next year's draft. Yeah, no, he he might, but I, I you know I think uh, we can both agree that Clemson is definitely more comfortable throwing the ball and leaving the game in Trevor Lawrence's arms than running the ball. And I think we can also agree that Clemson, you know, got off to a little bit of a shaky, not shaky start this year, but Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, I mean, I, they did win 52 to 14 against Georgia Tech and they covered the number against Syracuse. I know that, but they haven't been that impressive in, in the first halves and starting the game as much uh, in Texas A&M and the, and the Clemson game, you know, obviously Syracuse covered the number in the first half. So it seems like Clemson really hasn't hit their stride. So the fact that they won early, obviously I know Clemson was at home. My, my feeling is if that game happens, you know, four or five games from now, I think we would see a very different outcome. That's just my opinion. But I do think Auburn's going to have a lot more success running the ball. And I really, I, I just really think that their defense, and I think this could be a letdown spot for Texas A&M home. Like you said, not that they're already looking to the Alabama game, but for that Alabama game to mean anything, they have to win this. So, it's a little bit easier sometimes when you have these classes of the Titans to go and play freely on the road because, you know, not that Auburn is not walking here with the expectations point. to win, but there's a little bit less pressure. You know, like I said, if Auburn wins this, they still have chances later in the season, you know, to, to pick it up. They get that Auburn at home later. They're playing at LSU. They have Georgia at home. If Texas A&M loses this game at home, you know, what does that really say? That means that they'll probably then lose at home to Alabama, right? And then they're probably done. So for them, to, for that Alabama game to meet anything with Texas A&M, they got to win this game. So in my mind, there's a lot more special like Texas that, A&M. Bro. I mean, hey, to say that just because they have to win means that they will, I, I'm not always the biggest lover of that argument. And at the end of the day, these guys are competitors. They're all going out and trying to win the game. I'm just saying it's not surprising that when you see certain teams playing with a lot more pressure or with a lot less pressure – Sometimes unexpected things occur, as like in Auburn going in here, knowing that if they lose to Texas A&M on the road, in the committee's mind, you know, that's a quote-unquote good loss, right? In Texas A&M, losing this game at home to Auburn when they favorites, prime time, CBS, eh, that's a bad loss. I'll tell you right now, if Auburn loses this game, I mean, whether it's a good loss or not, they're going to be behind A&M in the rankings next week. 
of course, I would believe that A&M could jump past Auburn. I'm not definite about that. But you got to value the home here. And so that's why I'm saying why it's so important in college football. You can have a good loss on the road. For these powerhouses, there's not much things considered a good loss at home unless you're playing a juggernaut such as Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma. Unless you're playing a top three, top well, five sure you think, sure, sure sounds like you think Auburn's a juggernaut or damn near close to it. I think Auburn is close to a juggernaut, and I think they're going to show us why tomorrow. All right. Well, on and, that I, note- and, and, and I'm putting some serious, serious consideration into Auburn beating Georgia when they play um, about a, two months from now. Serious consideration. Let's keep moving forward. You mentioned Georgia. Let's talk about a Georgia transfer at Ohio State. You're on Justin Fields and Ryan Day again in the first half, is it? Yeah, I, I mean, this is just this is just a bread and butter for me right now. I mean, w- w- why fix what's not broken? I, I would like to say Ohio State has been rolling in the first half. They win these games in the first half. Again, they're playing another scrub team, another in-state team, Miami, Ohio. We saw what they did against Cincinnati. When Cincinnati came to town, Miami, Ohio stands no chance. Ohio State, Justin Fields, they're going to lock this game up in the first half. They're going to take their foot off the gas, just like they've done in every single game. There is no surprise here. There is nothing you need to worry about. They are 3-0 in the first half. They covered last week first half against Indiana. There's a clear trend we got going on here, right, with this Ohio State team. And I'm not getting anywhere off this bus. I am riding it, and I am riding it, and I am riding it. Give me Ohio State, minus 24 and a half. I know that's four scores. I don't care. They can be up five or six for all I care. But I do think they cover the first half. 24 and a half is the number. It's not a max play for me, so don't don't get ridiculous. It's another one-unit play. I'm just going to keep riding the train one unit until it fails me otherwise. But right now, I'm really happy sitting at 3-0 on this first-half train. And I do like the under in this game because I don't think Miami, Ohio is going to put up any points. I think we see a very similar game to the Cincinnati game they played two weeks ago. That total was 52. Ohio State won 42-0. This total is 6.5. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something around you know, 48, 52 to zero, 48 to three, something in, the, in that range, Ohio State will dominate. And I'm playing the under as a two-unit play. Under 58, I got. On the way out with the college slate, we have to talk about the premier evening game. College game day will be in Athens. It's the Georgia Bulldogs hosting the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Total in this game sitting right now at, 57 and a half. The Bulldogs are a 14 and a half point favorite on their home field. You know, Matt, I don't have a play here. Uh, I, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with the line. It feels obviously you see two top 10 teams. You think, holy crap, 14 and a half points. That seems crazy. But Notre Dame probably until it proves otherwise in a big spot, Notre Dame's never going to be taken seriously in the top 10. We saw last year in the playoff, they got their rear ends kicked by Clemson two years ago. A really big game for Notre Dame at Miami. That didn't go well for Brian Kelly and the bunch either. Uh, going back further to his tenure at Notre Dame, national championship game against Alabama after all the Manti Teo girlfriend stuff. That was a, a another blowout uh, against Notre Dame. They just don't seem to play what lost to Ohio State in, I think, a pretty convincing fashion in a New Year's Six Bowl. These spots against top 10 programs for Notre Dame have not been very generous at all. So that in and of itself has me hesitant. Uh, And I think that Georgia has the far, 
far superior roster and the Bulldogs might be the national champions when this thing's all said and done. I mean, they might be the best team in the country. We still don't really know yet. Clemson, as you mentioned, has kind of looked a little spotty at times. And, you know, Alabama, we know they're always going to be at the top. And Georgia has been competing with them in the SEC championship and the national championship the last couple of years. So certainly right there. I just think, Matt, Everything in like side and total seems about where it should be. I'm expecting Georgia to win this game by double digits. Just not sure if the Bulldogs cover. And I don't really have anything strong on the total, so I'm going to pass. Yeah, I mean, Greg, like, look, obviously this is the most marquee matchup of the night. We got 8 p.m. primetime, CBS, you know, Georgia, Notre Dame, two historic programs, number three, number seven facing off. It's a tough game to play. If you tell me you have a lock on here, I'm going to say good luck because I don't know how you call any play on this game a lock. I really don't. Fortunately, though, I have a one-unit play to get my feet wet in a big game like this. I like the Georgia Bulldogs at home to ride that crowd. I, I fortunately stack minus seven for the first half. I think there's no reason why they can't be up a touchdown or more at least at the end of first half. I don't know how this game is going to shake out in the second half and full game. Like you said, that number opened at 11.5. It's all the way up to 14.5 or 15 in some shots. I'm happy that I snagged and I the seven. I don't disagree with the Georgia money. No, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with it. But in the end, if you're telling me that you got a lock in this play, I'm going to say good fucking luck yeah. because I don't know how you call any play in this game a lock. I mean, I, I expect Georgia to come out. I expect them to win, like you said, by double digits. But who knows? Georgia can be up 21 points, uh, 18 points, and Notre Dame gets a meaningless garbage time touchdown, as we see in the NFL and in games all over the country. I'm not messing around with that. I'll take the minus seven for one unit as I played, and I'm happy that I got it at minus seven. Let's step aside, check in with our sponsors, and come back, and we'll talk some NFL. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of that myself. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show that 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, then they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to a doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. There are countless ways to keep up on what's happening in the world of sports. But how are you supposed to read every great article? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing time in your busy day? Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. Now coming to the stage, Axios Sports. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. Each morning, you see the best stories from around the sports world from the NBA and the NFL to niche sports like cricket and ping pong. The email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. 
It's super simple to sign up. Go to sports.axios.com. Axios Sports is a clean, crisp, and it gives you everything you need to know. Read it in five minutes in the elevator or discover a deep dive article while you're on the train going to work. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with your friends and coworkers. Join the 10,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself and your time a favor. Sign up for the Axios Sports Newsletter for free at sports.axios.com. Seriously, I subscribe to it and it makes me feel more informed without spending time clicking through websites, apps, and social media platforms. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank, along with you, at Undercover Greg on Twitter. Matt Siegel, at Showtime Cappers on Twitter. Let's go to the NFL. Uh, I don't have a ton on this card that I like. And Matt, I suppose that's one of the first things before we get into the games. You can't force anything, right? And that's kind of how I'm looking at this card. I have a few plays, but uh, I think... It's important, Greg. That's really important, you know. So, uh, one of my plays is a game that you also have a play on. Maybe a little bit of correlation here. We're going to go to the City of Brotherly Love. Both of us Eagles fans. I'm going to take the Eagles and Lions game under the total. Uh, simply because I look at the Eagles and I think, well, if they're going to want to win this game, they got to get their run game going a little bit more. I know that Dallas Goddard, the second tight end, has been injured. Uh, but with, without Deshaun Jackson, without Alshon Jeffrey, uh, I think that the Eagles need to try and chew up the clock. Uh, Detroit does have some playmakers on the outside in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. So I think that the Eagles are best suited here to take a uh, you know slow-it-down approach Get Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard going. Not sure who's going to win this game, but I definitely like it under 45 and a half. That's my first play in the NFL on Sunday, and I know that you have a play as well, but you're going to go to the side. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it hurts me to bet against the Eagles once again, but this this number was absolutely, uh, honestly, it was ridiculous, the fact that it came out seven and a half. I wasn't able to nab it at seven and a half. Nabbed it at seven. It's down to six. It's kind of absurd. The Eagles likely are going to be without Deshaun Jackson. Very well could be without Alshon Jeffrey. That's two of the top three targets for Carson Wentz. Frankly, I was at the Eagles game one, and I watched game two. Carson Wentz, really, you know, he's kind of looked pathetic, honestly. And I, I don't care what stats he put up in the first game. He missed a lot of easy throws. He got bailed out on two third and 10, 50-yard touchdown pass to Sean Jackson. Otherwise, we might be talking about the Eagles sitting here at 0-2 and in a must-win game in week three in September. And damn near, this is already a must-win game. Because if you lose this game, my, I'm talking to you, you Philadelphia Eagles, you're going on the road on a short week to Green Bay, and we know how that's going to go. And the Eagles then could be coming home week five. So, you know, Luckily, they'll be facing the Jets. But the last thing the Eagles want to do is come home to that crowd sitting at 1-3. and three. That can't happen. This is a must-win game for the Eagles. However, I do think the Eagles get it done, but I think the Lions can keep it within seven. The Lions came out with a win last week against the Chargers. They did look pretty good for three full quarters week one against the Cardinals until it collapsed, and, and you know, obviously they ended up tying. The Lions haven't looked bad. We know Stafford can sling the ball. We've seen the Eagles been beat countless times for multiple 50-plus-yard touchdowns multiple in each game I expect Stafford to be slinging the ball I don't see why he can't link up with Kenny Galladay for a 50-yard touchdown Ronald Darby I don't know what is going on with him I don't know 
what he's doing, but he's getting burned left and right. I think seven is easily coverable. And like you said, if the Eagles get the running game going, they try and control the clock, you know, try and take the ease off of some of their injured players. Again, with the clock running and a low a total going low, I would like to have the three seven points. Let's keep things moving. I agree. That's probably, that's the side I would play. I was initially thinking Eagles earlier in the week, uh, just thinking with the fight they showed in the fourth quarter against Atlanta to come back and take the lead. Maybe they could, if they played that way for four quarters, blow out the Lions. But no, I think they're too banged up to cover this number. Let's go to Arrowhead Stadium, where the biggest game of the entire NFL Week 3 features the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. Home opener for the Chiefs, Kansas City about six six and a half point chalk depending on where you shop and i am going to play baltimore i I, i'm going to take it at plus six i I think that this game is eerily similar to the game seven earlier in the week i'm yeah and you're okay you're on ravens with a seven Uh, certainly a good job to get the best of the number there i eerily similar to last year's game at the end of the season which baltimore should have won outright if it weren't for a crazy mahomes link up with Tyree Kill late in regulation to get the Chiefs down in the red zone and they converted on a fourth down to send the game to overtime and ultimately won it in overtime. I think Baltimore's run game is very legit. There's no reason in the world to me why they can't go in and control the clock. And remember, Mark Ingram wasn't on the field last year for the Ravens. So I think that even further bolsters the case for Baltimore with the points. Uh, Kansas City uh, goes without saying, you know that they're going to score, but if there's a team that can kind of keep them at bay, I know it's some different personnel for Baltimore on defense, but they kind of always thrive on, uh, you know, defense and running the ball. And uh, Lamar Jackson has looked pretty good throwing the ball, too. I think the Ravens are very legit, even though it was the Miami Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals. I'll be on Baltimore catching the points here, and you, I know you are as well. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, – dude, I – the, when I press that submit button against the Chiefs, let me tell you, it's a scary sight. Because that man, Patrick Mahomes, he is the real deal. And I will go on the airway saying that I do personally, bearing any crazy injury, I think Patrick Mahomes not only has a chance, I think he will go down as one of the best quarterbacks to ever play this football game. The thi- This game of football, the things that he does on the football field are just absurd. I mean... Look, 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 say what you want about the talent around him. We know he has great talent. We know he's great coaching. You lose Tyreek Hill, you make uh, Robinson and and, uh, Markel's Hardman look like Tyreek Hill. They all look the same. Greg, you might look like Tyreek Hill Uh, with him putting the ball. He hits them in stride on their hands. It's like, oh, look what I found. It's like like a handoff 60 yards down the field. It's absurd what he could do with the football. But let me tell you, Greg, and let me tell you, that man quarterbacking Baltimore Ravens is on his way, and he's Emphasis on his on way up. Emphasis on quarterback. He had a lot of fun with that after the Dolphins game. <laughs> Emphasis on the quarterback. Emphasis on the running back because we have a Mike Vick 3.0. Yes, I'm skipping the 2.0. A Mike Vick 3.0. I'm going to put an asterisk in the making, right? Lamar Jackson has, is also doing some special things. This is a class of two very special young men quarterbacking their teams and I like the seven frankly because I like that defense of the Ravens I think Earl Thomas Patrick Mahomes is real good but I don't know if he's seen in Earl Thomas Earl Thomas is gonna do some things that Patrick Mahomes hasn't seen 
I wouldn't be surprised if he gets caught once or twice, maybe. You know, Earl, Earl Thomas is a special player out there playing playing center field for the Ravens, and I think he could cause the Chiefs a little bit of trouble. I think both teams will be real prepared. I think it'll be a shootout. I took over 27 and a half for the first half. All these games for the for the 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 first four games for both these teams, they've went over in the first half. I think we're gonna see a lot of points. I think four touchdowns is not out of the question. Again, both of these are just one unit plays for me, so I'm not in love with it, but it's a play I gotta make, especially the fact that I was able to grab the seven on the Ravens. I think they can keep it close, especially think not only do the Ravens have a great defense, they have a much better running game than the Chiefs. So this is the kind of game that I would approach as a coach. You know, the best defense is your offense. So to keep the Chiefs' offense off the field is going to be very, a very good part and a very huge part of the Ravens' game plan. I expect it for the Chiefs, but we know how quickly the Chiefs can score. And we know their running game is not as good as the Ravens, nor is their running defense, rushing defense, as good as the Ravens' rushing defense. So I think it's to the advantage of the Ravens, in the fact, that they can potentially control the time possession here and also, at the end of the day, go in as underdogs. And, and, and like I said, I spoke about earlier, Play without a lot of pressure. Like, yeah, they want to win the game, but let me tell you, Rudolph is, I mean, Rudolph is not quarterbacking the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Big Ben is out and they're 0 2. The Bengals look pathetic. They're 0 2. The Browns, they uh, they just had a win and they're 1 1 and they have talent and they're still looking at chemistry, but this looks like the Ravens division right now. So for them to lose on the road against the Chiefs is not the worst thing. Is that the worst thing for them? Because in my mind, it looks like they're going to be cruising to another back-to-back division titles. But at the end of the day, I just think that the seven is too much because I think they can control the time possession with the running game. I think they could limit the amount of time that Patrick Mahomes is on the field. And I think Lamar Jackson could just flat-out ball. I really do. I love Mahomes. I love the Chiefs. But I think seven is too much here. You know, And if this number comes, it's at six. If somehow, I don't expect it to, but if it could come down to you know, maybe a, a five or, or, or four and a half. I, I mean, I don't expect it to go all the way down there, but I certainly wouldn't be opposed to buying back on the Chiefs. As you can hear, I'm saying I love the Chiefs too, but I think seven is too much. You got a couple of favorites in the early slate that you're looking to play in a parlay. Go ahead. Greg, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to speak on something that we haven't spoke on. I don't think one podcast, and it's a parlay. And if you don't know what a parlay is and you're listening to us, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to sports gambling since sports gambling. Let me tell you why. You combine multiple teams into one bet, and they all have to win. And by them all being combined into one bet and all winning, you actually increase the odds. So you can take multiple favorites of, say, minus 500, put them all together, and make it into a minus 110 play. Granted, you need all five to win, and we know how hard that is. But it's one of the greatest things to happen in all sports gambling. And if you disagree... You can stop listening, but let me get to my play. And this is actually a max play for me that I did not put out on my card earlier because I wanted to hold it to talk about it on the podcast because I am so in love with this play. I think it's actually criminal that I'm able to get the odds in this play. And I really hope bookmakers fix it by Sunday after hearing me because it's absurd. Greg, I think we can both agree. The Cowboys and the Patriots are both going at home. Can we both agree there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so obviously they're they're both 20-point favorites. We know all that. Oh, 20-point favorites and never covered or blah, blah, blah. I, I, I could care less about the points. The Patriots at home to the pathetic Jets who are starting full, who was on the pra- – who it, it was a third-string quarterback. They're not going to win at the Patriots who honestly have looked better than ever. It's kind of crazy. The Patriots, I swear, they just look better every single year. The older Tom Brady gets, it's like the more points they score each game. It is wild. Let me tell you. 
as it pains me to say this through the microphone, the Dallas Cowboys probably have looked like the best team in the NFC this season thus far. Can we agree there? Giants and Redskins, but yeah, I'd agree. And now that's fine. That's fine. Giants and Redskins, but you play who you play, right? You so they 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 play who they play. Are we going to fault the Ravens for playing the? No, no, I, I get it. Yeah, so they play who they play. So thus far, Dak Prescott's looked amazing. The man deserves to be paid, so I hope he gets paid. Zeke is finally back in form. Got got a full workload last week. Again, I don't even know why I'm really speaking on it. The Dolphins are also absolutely pathetic. I mean, they, they, we, we all know the Cowboys and the Patriots are winning. on that game, Josh Rosen will get the start for the Dolphins. He will get the start. I'm intrigued for that. Uh, yeah, welcome to Dallas, Josh Rosen, and enjoy catching your first 20 or two touchdown plus loss. I don't care if they're going to cover the number. Whatever. There's two free legs of your parlay. If you want, you can increase any odds we played with them because they're both going to win. We know that. I, you know, I'm not doing that, nor am I advising you to do that. But if you want, you can. It saves you 30, 40 cents if you're about that. They're both going to win. So now I go to two other teams at 1 o'clock who I, stand, I see no chance losing. Not only do I see no chance of losing, I'm also playing these teams in a few different ways. I'm playing the Minnesota Vikings, minus 4.5, and, and I'm playing another NFC North team, the Green Bay Packers, minus 4.5, both, both on the first half, Okay. Not only am I playing on the first half, I'm putting them in the parlay. So this is a four-team parlay. Packers, Vikings, Cowboys, Patriots. You're getting minus 135 odds on that. That's 135 to win 100 bucks. That is absolutely criminal that I'm able to get that. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers, at home, 2-0, coming off two divisional wins, are looking like the team that we thought they would, that I thought they would. The division champs this year, they are not losing at home. To the pathetic Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have yet to score over 16 points this year. They're coming off a tough game-winning field goal loss last week. They're now traveling from Denver to Green Bay. Meanwhile, while Green Bay was at home last week against Minnesota, they stay. No travel for Green Bay. We already know about Rodgers at home. After, thanks to last week's win, he's now moved to an amazing 79% home win rate and a 67% win rate in September. Right? What more is there to say? Flacco is a below average quarterback on the road with a career winning rate of 43% on the road. Both of these defenses are actually have been pretty solid, though, through the first two games, which actually leads me to another play in this game where I'm playing and where I'm playing the under, right? I have the under, I have the under at 42 and a half. I think this is an under. I think the Packers come out and they win this game and, and they limit the Denver offense. Just how we've seen, I'm playing Denver team total under 7.5 first half. I'm playing Denver team total also under 16.5 full game. I think Denver is going to – this this enough, I, you clearly see where I'm going with this, Greg. It's going to be a Packers, not a route, but just an easy coasting win. Denver's not going to score. Packers going to score just enough. They're going to do what they need to do. They're going to cover the 4.5 for the first half. They're going to win the full game, no questions asked, and, and, and I'm not thinking twice. Now, to move to the Vikings, right? This was a team, Greg, how much did I hate on Kirk Cousins last week? I mean, uh, I think I could have wrote a book about how awful he was, right? Now, oh, let me tell you. Oh, now, this, let me tell you. Greg, do you like sleeping in your own bed or, or you prefer a hotel bed? What, which one do you prefer? I take my own bed the whole time. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, do you I like your house? Do you like, you like your shower or your, your own bed? Yeah. You know where I'm going with this, right? So, Kirk Cousins, as embarrassing as he is on the road, he's somewhat solid. At home, and I say somewhat solid 
he's good enough for me to back. 60% win rate at home. He's 6-3 and three at home since joining the Vikings, so slightly better in that dome at 66%. His QBR goes up 8 points at home. Now, you take this with a grain of salt, but two years ago when he played the Raiders at home for what we knew was his former team, the Washington Redskins, he torched that Raiders team two years ago. Over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Greg, last time I checked, two years ago, they had a guy by the name of Khalil Mack. They don't have him anymore, right? So, in my mind, his defense got a little bit worse. Why a little bit worse? Because a top-five player on defense who's on their team, he's not on their team anymore. The Raiders also lost. They're arguably one of their best defensive players. John Abram, he's out for the season. He's not there. Ty Williams, J.J. Nelson, they're number one and two receivers. Both limited practice Wednesday, limited practice Thursday. Oh, yeah, Ty Williams, limited practice Good luck. Now you have all-pro corner Xavier Rhodes to cover you. Josh Jacobs, groin injury, limited practice Wednesday, limited practice Thursday. That's their two best offensive weapons, Ty Williams and Josh Jones, limited. Oh, yeah, Josh Jacobs. I'm sorry, not Josh Jones, Josh Jacobs. Not only does he have a groin injury, Greg, he's sick. Not only is he sick, this man has lost 10 pounds. So whatever's going around in Josh Jones' body, he's lost 10 pounds. So, you know. I don't even know if he's going to end up suiting, suiting up on Sunday by the time we get there, let alone play a full workload. I was fortunate enough to get in on the Vikings, minus four and a half for the first half, and I also got minus two and a half for the first quarter. By the way, all of these plays are top plays. Packers minus four and a half first half, Vikings minus four and a half first half, Vikings minus two and a half first quarter. All three top plays, two unit plays for me. I think the Vikings come out hot after last week's loss, which actually wasn't that bad of a loss. They started the game pathetic, 21-0. Kirk Cousins was absolutely embarrassing through two or three picks, and somehow they still were in a position to win that game, ending the game on a 16-0 run. And if that game had another five, six minutes left, I might have been I might have been real upset because the Packers might have freaking blew that game. The Vikings actually didn't look that bad. Their defense wasn't bad. And, oh, yeah, they have a guy by the name of Dalvin Cook. Let me tell you, if there was any question marks for him coming off his injury, shut those question marks away. The man has ran for 21 carries, 111 yards, and two touchdowns in the first game. 20 carries, 154 yards, and one touchdown in the second game. He's arguably, the, through two games, the best running back this season. And I don't see anything changing when the Vikings come home and after, after that loss against the Packers. They right the ship against the Raiders. Oh, yeah, this is the Raiders' first road game. They're traveling from the West Coast. It's a two-hour t- time, James. And let me tell you, as bad as Kirk Cousins is on the road, Greg, can you believe this? I found a worse quarterback on the road. Derek Carr, 13-26, <laughs> win rate on the road. His QBR drops nine points. A small sample size, but he's 0-4 against the NFC North. The numbers do not line up for the Raiders. They are banged up. They are going on the road. They're off a loss at home to the Chiefs. Vikings are coming home to right the ship against the pathetic Raiders. Give me the Vikings stack season, as I call it. First quarter, first half, and that ties into my max parlay. Vikings, Packers, Cowboys, Patriots, all on the money line. And when they all win outright, you can take that ticket to the counter because it's easily cashing for the small price of minus 135. I still can't believe it. And if you haven't already gotten it by me talking, you should get it now because it's going to move up. Let me tell you. Wow. Well, that was a lot, and I, I'll just respond by saying I do like Minnesota. I am hesitant to play them full game, laying the nine. 
I leaned to them uh, or when the lines came out and I figured it was going to move up. I haven't could have gotten in at seven and a half, but I, I really just don't have any interest in laying that many points with Cousins full game. Oh, yeah, I'll, by the way, I put it out there. I didn't play either full game spread with the Packers or the Vikings. I didn't like that at all. I like tossing those two big favorites that I believe have, have a great shot of winning with, obviously, the Patriots and the Cowboys. Yeah, and, and so I, of all of those plays, I think I'm probably most likely to take the Vikings uh, first quarter and first half, uh, one or both. I haven't decided yet. Packers, I, I'm, I, I'll say this. That Matt LaFleur offense for six, seven quarters now, other than the start against Minnesota, hasn't looked great. So now they're facing a— But their a, defense has. They, you know, defense has been so, very yeah. Like you said, their offense doesn't look great, and they still have that 2-0 record. So, And I have faith in, in arguably the best quarterback uh, in the NFL right now, probably number two behind Mahomes. But I have faith that Aaron Rodgers is, in fact, at some point going to get going. At the end of the day, he's done enough to get his team two wins against two teams that I believe are better than Denver. I don't see any chance of them losing Denver at home. Let's go to the late slate. I think we're both on this play as well. Uh, I got in at six and a half. Uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers catching the points in San Francisco against the 49ers. Uh, would not be surprised if, if this kept moving to at least a six. Uh, Mason Rudolph makes his first start in his career as a Steeler. Of course, the quarterback out of Oklahoma State drafted by the Steelers in 2018. Uh, here's what I'm seeing, Matt. I'm looking at a Pittsburgh team that... Early in the week, right, you get the news about Big Ben. It can easy, it can be easily uh, looked at as, oh, here goes our season, and throw up the arms, woe is me. And, you know, before you know it, you already heard, I already heard some talking heads this week saying they'd be better off losing, you know, 13, 14 games this year and picking in the top five and picking a quarterback that they That's like. That's not the way the Steelers operate. We knew that wasn't going to happen. Exactly. It's not the way the Steelers operate. They traded up to draft Mason Rudolph, and what do they do next? They trade away their first-round pick to the Miami Dolphins to bring in Minka Fitzpatrick to help bolster their defense. What does that tell me? That Pittsburgh still believes it can turn its season around and that they have a lot of faith in Mason Rudolph. I like San Francisco a lot, and I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco still managed to find a way to win this game. But the number's too high here. You give Mason Rudolph a full week of preparation. He looked pretty good last week when they threw him in against Seattle. I certainly think Pittsburgh can cover this number. Wouldn't be surprised if they won the game outright. Steelers aren't going away here. They probably won't make the playoffs either way, but I could still yeah, see Yeah, Greg, just to chime in real quick about that Nine. point, about that point of the playoffs. You know, the last six years, a, a team that started out 0-2 has actually made the playoffs. If you take a look at all the 0-2 teams, I think we can both agree that the Chiefs, I mean, not the Chiefs, excuse me, the Steelers have the best have the best chance out of all the 0-2 teams to turn their season around and make the playoffs. Exactly, because I, while it's obviously a downgrade going from Ben to Mason Rudolph, they have a lot of confidence in Mason Rudolph, and, and they still have a talented roster around him, which only got better on defense, adding Minka Fitzpatrick. So I think they're going to be focused, and I think that they're going to go to San Francisco, and, and, and it's going to be kind of a circle the wagons type game, kind of like I was talking about in the college slate with Michigan, where I kind of see them just getting the troops together and saying, here's a big spot for us to turn our season around. I think that might be the case with Pittsburgh. I'll take the season. And like you said, my Wolfson and like you said, by bolstering their defense, I think that really attributes to showing how they're going to play and how they're going to try and win games. You know, right. they're going to try and play, control the clock, control the tempo, wear the other team down, strong defense. I'm not saying that Minka Fitzpatrick 
is the end-all, be-all. But I think, you know, they didn't go out and get an offensive weapon. What did they do? They went out and they got their defense better. They're going to change the way they play a little bit. Exactly. So I actually, you know, I, I did grab the seven on the Steelers here. Again, I got seven. Again, a slightly other correlated play. I got under 43 in this Steelers game for some of the reasons that I just said. And and, and I um I, I just I think that the Niners defense actually has been great to start the season. And I think we're going to have a, a little bit of a defensive battle here on the West Coast. And those are both one-unit plays for me. Yeah, the Niners have been very good defensively to start the year, especially their front seven. They're littered with talent in that front seven. One other point that I want to make here, and this will lead us into our next game where you're on the New Orleans Saints. But just in general, these backup quarterbacks, we talked about it a lot with our Jets play, which didn't work out. Uh, but they can be overvalued. They can be, or I guess, undervalued. And the, the favorites, can the numbers can get too high because it's all about uh, the sports books trying to protect themselves against the liability. Therefore, that there can usually be value backing the team with a backup quarterback. I absolutely think that's the case here with Pittsburgh and all of the pieces that they have surrounded Rudolph with. But let's go to the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle Seahawks hosting the New Orleans Saints. And, and you're on New Orleans here, maybe for quick, similar reasons, Matt. So quick, this is a quick explanation. Quick, this is a one-unit play for me, plus four-and-a-half Saints. Half unit tossed at the money line, plus 175. I also took a half unit on the first half money line, plus 145. Also took a full unit on the Saints' first half, under 22.5. The Saints' full game, under 44.5. Again, you see a trend here with my plays. I like to, a lot of times, play the same play, first half and full game. And a lot of plays that correlate as, like, dogs getting points and unders. This was really just an easy play for me. Uh, this number that she was four, four and a half was shocking. You know, one thing to note here, usually we would talk about the Saints traveling across country, but let me tell you, Greg, it's actually the opposite. The Saints were already on the West Coast last week as they played at the Rams and they stayed on the West Coast. It's now the Seattle Seahawks who are traveling across country. They started off at home and then they went all the way to Pittsburgh and now they're coming all the way back home to play this game. So, you know, they actually traveled across country the past week as the Saints have been all stayed on the West Coast. And when you have a great coach like Sean Payne, it is really, really, really easy to back their team with a backup quarterback. You know, this isn't like the Jets over here where we took a little bit of a flyer, right? This is the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees, by the way, unlike Big Ben. For the we'll first run game and somebody named Michael Thomas. Yeah, okay. yo, whoa, 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 let me get there. Let me get there. I mean, I can't say enough about those guys. But they still have their eyes on the playoffs, and I still expect them to make the playoffs. Drew Brees expects to come back. This is not just – they're not going to just roll over they're going to do as best as they can to hand this team, uh, to hand Drew Brees back the team with a winning record. And they're going to do so by playing two quarterbacks. We as don't know. It's under what, 10 and a half wins. I bet that preseason. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, I don't even know exactly what's going to happen, but I'm putting my money in the faith of Sean Payton. And I think he's going to make it work. Teddy Bridgewater out there slinging the ball. He can also run it. Tyson Hill, we see he can throw the ball. He can run it. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to see a lot of them both out there on the same time, probably. Who knows who the hell's going to be getting the snap? Maybe they're going to pass it out wide. There's just so many options they can have with putting those two guys on the field. And not to mention, like you said, A.K. Alvin Kamara, M.T., Michael Thomas, probably, in my mind, the best running back wide receiver combo we have in the NFL. Please find me another that is better. What is easier for a backup quarterback or a quarterback not totally familiar with starting as of recent, such as Teddy Bridgewater and Hill, they're going to get the ball out quick. They're going to get the ball to their playmakers. And God forbid you give Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara 
a lick of space, and they can take it to the house on any given play. This Saints team is talented. They also got Cooks as a tight end. The Seahawks have won two games by a combined three points. I think the four and a half is a gift here. I really like it, and I know Seahawks and Russell Wilson are great at home, but I like the Saints here, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints are coming back uh, to, to the Dome uh, with, a, with a win here because I really think they can get it done. I think they come home, and they'd be 2-1 uh, at home Sunday night against the 3-0 Cowboys, and I'm really excited for that matchup next week. I will be all over the Saints the following week against the Cowboys. You can mark that down right now because I will be all over that. Let's wrap things up over on Lake Erie. It's the Cleveland Browns hosting the Los Angeles Rams in Sunday night football. And the Browns maybe ready the ship. We'll see. The t- schedule's pretty tough for Cleveland, but they went to the Meadowlands and won on Monday night football over the New York Jets in convincing fashion. Miles Garrett looked really good uh, with a couple of sacks. He did have a couple personal fouls as well. But uh, I, I, I am going to look to play this game. Uh, I'm going to go under... In the first half uh, at 24 is where you can get this number at. I'll be on that as well. That's all I need to say about that. I will be on that play as well. And here's why I like it. Uh, You have a Rams team that thrives off of, you know, the big play, right? Jared Goff zinging it down, long balls to Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods or, or, or and obviously Cooper Cup, another playmaker he's got there, and, and hitting a big run with Todd Gurley or a, a chunk gain with the screen game. But the Browns, I think the biggest mismatch that they have working for them here is their defensive line. I mentioned Miles Garrett. Their D-line against the Rams' offensive line. The Rams lost a couple starters on that offensive line this year, and I think it's an exploitable matchup for Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, and everybody in, in the trenches for Cleveland. Larry Ogunjobi, out of defensive tackle out of Charlotte, who I like a lot. I think Cleveland's going to be able to get to Goff enough to pressure him, and if you're Cleveland, at the same time offensively, you're going to want to keep those playmakers for the Rams off the field. I think you see a heavy dose of Nick Chubb here. The only reason why I like this first half and not full game. I think full game, the team that's behind might try and take some more shots. And I mentioned the Rams playmakers. Cleveland went out and added Odell Beckham Jr. So there's, and we saw him with an 89-yard touchdown or whatever it was on Monday Night Football last week in the second half. So I'm more inclined to think that this game is going to go the way I think it will in the first half than the full game. So I'm going first half under 24 in Cleveland and the Rams uh, for my last play. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be a little hypocritical here. As I spoke about earlier, a must-win game doesn't always mean they'll win. But let me tell you, as much as I wasn't believing in the Brownies last week, they did. I will answer your question. They righted the ship. They 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 got the win they needed. I don't care if it was against the Jets. It wasn't. I understand it didn't look that good. It wasn't that pretty. It was against the Jets. But they can exhale. They can exhale. They're not 0-2. They're 1-1. They're coming at home. And let me tell you, Greg. This is a must-win game for the Cleveland Browns. If not, their season will spiral downhill very quickly. Let me tell you what they have going on the next couple weeks. If they lose this game, they're at 1-2. and two. They're then going to the division opponents, Baltimore Ravens, on the road. Then mm-hmm. they're traveling across the country to the San Francisco 49ers. Who, who, who San Francisco, I want to point out on that game, San Francisco is going to be out of a bye. They got the early bye next week. Yes. So that was a, my next point is about to make. That will be San Francisco at home, right? They're playing the Steelers at home, then a bye, then at home again. So they're not traveling for a while. They're sleeping real nice in their beds for a while. Sure. Meanwhile, you got the Cleveland Browns traveling 
all the way to Baltimore and then all the way across country. So they're doing a lot of traveling there. Then, you know, they're, they come back at home against the Seahawks. Short week off the Monday night game, too. Short week off a Monday night game at home against the Seahawks team. And then you can already pencil this one in as an L because then they got to <laughs> travel to Fox, bro, and play, yo, yeah, that man Tom Brady. So that's, 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 a, that's a five-game stretch, Craig, where if they What's don't that? win this game and they're sitting at one and two, yeah. the next four games, you know, maybe they What's get that, that win at home against the Seahawks. Four? I said, what's that? Maybe one win in those four games? Ravens, Niners, Seahawks, Pats? Yeah, I, I, yeah. And what? You're sitting at, that That would be a two and, two and five? Two and five after seven weeks? Two and five, yeah. Yeah, let me tell you, that's great for our under nine and a half win totals. That is not great for the Browns fans, <laughs> players, expectations. OBJ's new watch endorsement. Let me tell you, it's not good for any of that. The Browns are going to, and they're going to win this game. And I'll tell you why. The Rams are the Rams, right? We've seen greatness, and then we've seen patheticness. I'm not going to say they got lucky. They earned the win against the Panthers, but we've seen Cam Newton not at his best so far this season. Probably going to miss this week's game because of it. So I don't know if he was even fully healthy in that game. And at the end of the day, they almost lost that game. We then saw the Rams get a little fortune last week with, as I was just high on the Saints, but, you know, obviously they didn't expect Drew Brees to come out mid-game, so they were not planned for that. The Rams took a full advantage of that and ran away with that game. Now, under the lights, Sunday night football, I know they're coming off of a quote-unquote short week, but at least they got the night game the Browns do. They just played under the lights last last week. I, I see the Browns coming at home, making a statement in a game that they need to make a statement. This is the game that, that they want. This is the game that the Browns can you know, we will be forgetting they lost 43-13 to 13 to the Titans. If they beat the Rams, we'll be forgetting about it. We yeah. will then be talking the following week after probably, I think we can both assume as much as we want our Ravens best to hit, we know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs just cover every single game they ever play. So then we're going to be talking about, wow, the 2-1 and one Browns at the 2-1 and one Ravens. Are they going to steal a big road game? You know, this game really just changes the course of where their season goes and what goes on in their locker room? Because let me tell you, if they're one and two and they travel to this Ravens team, this Ravens team is going to see weakness and they're going to see the ability to strike. And if they end one and three, like I said, a- after that Ravens game, and then they're traveling across country to the Niners off the bye after they haven't traveled for three weeks, like I, I can't say it anymore, Greg. It could get real ugly real quick. And with those personalities in the locker room and a oh, first yeah. year. Freddie Kitchens, I just see, see a little a little unwinding going on, unwinding, and I think that all doesn't happen if they get this Sunday night win at home against the L.A. Rams. Sean McVay, take him down, and I do think they do it. I think Baker has the performance we've seen him have last your, year. Your play is first half under, and are you taking Browns with the points? Or I'm, playing, I'm, playing first, I'm playing first half under. I'm playing Browns on the first half. I'm playing Browns. Full game, and you can book this right now because when the Browns money. are up at halftime, yeah, money line and spread. And when the Browns are up at halftime, you can book it right now. I will be doubling down and taking the Browns second half. So stay tuned on Twitter for my official plays when that game because the units aren't specified. But I'm gonna be all over the Browns and probably the under in the first half. So like I said, stay tuned. But the Brownies are gonna come out and win this game, and I think they flipped the switch last week. Even though it was a pathetic Jets, I think all they needed to do was see that one in the win column. They did. 
But yeah, Greg, I mean, I'm all over the Browns here. Uh, like I said, I, you know, stay, stay tuned on my Twitter, obviously, for the official plays. I don't have official plays out on this game yet, but I will be looking to play the Browns first half, full game, money line spreads, the whole nine yards. I like the Brownies in this game. But like I said, stay tuned around that 7 p.m. slot before the Sunday night football game because that's when this play will be out. And that's going to wrap things up for us here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Matt, final word. I know you have a max play you wanted to advertise. Yeah, guys, I just want to let you know, I do have a match play still available for Sunday on a 1 o'clock game. This play is a play I absolutely love. If you want it, it's a 3U fire match play. You know the deal. Shoot me a DM on Twitter, and I'll get you that play. And we will be printing this weekend. It's not a question of when or on what. It's a question of how much. Everybody, enjoy the football weekend. Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg on Twitter. Matt Siegel, at Showtime Cappers. We're signing off here on Full Slate, a Blue Eye Gambling Podcast. Enjoy the games, and remember, please, play responsibly. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.